0: so what's going on welcome back to another episode of our senio podcast and again today we're going to be going into the second part of the listening like I told you guys about now remember I told you guys to be able to put it in order one through i think it could be one through about ten that's right one through ten and so what we're gonna do or what i'm going to do here that's an additional exercise for you but from my perspective, we're going to talk about what these specific people will talk about throughout this process, meaning the legacy, the negative energy, the nostalgia, and the sunk cost fallacy. Now, remember, we've talked about sunk cost before, uh, even in my TOEFL, what is it, in my TOEFL podcast. So you make sure you go back to that so you can understand it. But Nonetheless, guys, this is a six minute wonderful audio and I'm just hoping that it actually plays all the way through, you know, because it has a tendency of cutting off from time to time. But nonetheless, here we go. Let's get into this.
1: The stimulators of nostalgia are meeting old friends, hearing music, especially music we listened to between the ages of 12 and 22 and childhood smells, food and so on. The French writer Proust springs to mind, assuming you are familiar with his novels. But surprisingly, I think, these are not actually the most common triggers, according to a series of studies published in 2006 in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. The most common appears to be Bad moods. Bad moods? Now, these moods may sometimes be a result of loneliness, which seems a natural cause effect, but actually, any bad mood appears to trigger nostalgia. And so, by the way, does being cold. So there are some fundamentals. From a neuroscientific perspective, there are many practical applications of this science of nostalgia, which Dr. Hassam and Stephen will tell you more about now. Dr. Hassam? Thank you.
2: Now, as Professor Simpson has noted, my area is behavioral science. Today, I'm focusing on what we call the sunk cost fallacy. As you may know, this is the mistake we are prone to making when we take into account prior costs when making a decision on whether or not to continue a course of action, whether to throw good money after bad, as the old proverb has it. This sunk cost fallacy does seem to be an inherited instinct, similar to nostalgia, as outlined by Professor Simpson, which guides us to poor choices in the present. People have a tendency to continue with a plan of action just because they have invested in it, time and or money, not because it is a good strategy now. But this does lead us to question why we have developed this behavior, perhaps not giving up has some hidden benefits. When we make the initial decision, we have good reasons for making it, provided that we are trying to act rationally, of course. However, once time has gone by, we have a strong tendency to forget our initial reasons. We then find ourselves in a difficult position in the present when we have put in time and money and not yet reached the desired outcome. Do we continue with our actions, though they require more effort, time, money, or whatever? Or do we cut our losses and refuse to invest any further? Now, the fallacy theory is that usually we follow that instinct and keep going in order to get something back from our investment. This can mean we end up spending far more than we would ever consider sensible on an outcome that simply isn't worth it. Most business advisors say this is a mistake. However, there is also an argument that the feeling that prevents us from giving up and walking away is a memory of just how important the initial decision was. The fact that the feeling remains means that we need to at least seriously try to uncover the original reasons for making the choice and consider these before deciding to walk away from the present problem.
3: Okay, Uh, thank you, Professor Simpson and uh, Dr. Hassan. So I'm here to talk about a very specific business problem relating to the past and nostalgia. On the surface, it may not seem to have much to do with what our previous speakers were describing, but I hope you'll see the connections shortly. The problem I'm talking about concerns legacy systems. These are defined as technological systems which were good in their day, but which are now no longer good enough for today's business world. So, what do you do when your computer system is too old to do the job properly? easy you say just change it upgrade it well i've got bad news for you it's not that easy unfortunately for a complex company such as a major bank changing the computer system is a major strategic decision i'm not talking about a change but a complete transformation of every system every process every role there is the cost the security implications and the data transfer for a big bank with millions of customers worldwide it's a nightmare so many things can go wrong in the changeover but well without change the company is locked into an outdated system a legacy system that holds them back prevents innovation and and this is at the root of the problem it leaves them vulnerable to competition by smaller, more flexible banks with up-to-date systems. Part of the problem is an unwillingness to change. After all, the system worked before, the bank was profitable and, as we said, has millions of supposedly satisfied customers. Why change? And of course, everyone has adapted their own skills to match how it works or doesn't work. Now, the connection to Professor Simpson's area should be becoming evident. As she has already said, nostalgia is a neurological phenomenon rooted in our evolutionary past. So it's not easy to override, except with a real effort. Instincts die hard. To effect change, you have to focus on the outcome and give up worrying about the huge amount of prior work and cost. And as already highlighted by Dr. Hassam, the sunk cost fallacy is a factor in any decision where work and money have already been expended.
0: Wow, there it is guys, very informational, lots of different things that were said within this, but it all comes back, you know, nostalgia, sunk cost, negative energy, legacy, it all coincides with one another, it all relates. Which is really cool. It's very interconnected. So first and foremost, what I wrote down was the bad mood and the cold. So that triggers nostalgia. Now the thing is, if I actually look at when I was in a bad mood, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, say that it triggers nostalgia, but I don't know. I you know, I think it's just interesting. But what I thought was the most interesting and what can relate to a lot of men out there is the inherited instinct of the sunk cost fallacy right now they don't want to give up they don't want to give up on that particular thing because they're men this is a mask that lewis hose has said in one of his books, the mask of masculinity um and it's called the alpha mask because whatever and now the alpha mask doesn't necessarily mean with you know doesn't necessarily mean aggression but it's always saying hey i'm right i'm right i'm right It's kind of like my brother my brother is one of those people that says i'm right i'm right i'm right although it's white he says it's blue although it's peanut butter he says it's jelly although it's ice cream he says it's cupcakes and there's no other way around it unless you get into a real full on argument with him and even so when that happens you'll still never change his mind right so that's an inherited instinct this is what it, you know this is what they talk about so um it's kind of like men who buy different things, different types of machin- machinery around the home and the, you know, the wife, you actually see it in movies, on TV shows. Why you keep using that? Just buy a new one. No, no, it's going to work. It's going to work. See, that's the sunk cost fallacy. And it all comes back to behaviors in general, right? So he talks about, again, like the legal systems, it's good in the past, but it's no longer good today. So if we look at a lot of things, guys, especially in terms of marketing, everything, um, I thought one form of marketing was very, very smart. I'm going to give you guys an example. But at the same time, people should be using Facebook marketing. So Gary Vee, before I get into that mini story, uh, Gary Vee says that the majority of, let's say, dealerships, car dealerships, GM, all those commercials that people still watch on TV wherever they are in the country in America – When they watch these commercials, people who actually pay millions of dollars to put these ridiculous commercials on TV are still throwing away money. However, they do not understand that the majority of their uh, viewership is in ads through social media. So when they make the change from here to there, that's when ads, of course, go up significantly. You're going to be seeing a lot of car ads and Coca-Cola ads and GM ads and all those ridiculous ads on Facebook. So going back to my story, if we look at marketing, um, I don't understand why language centers are not marketing. Like here in Thailand, there's a lot of different language centers, right? And these language centers, they provide private tutoring for a lot of people. Of course, this is what I work at right now. Um, but I never see the language centers advertising at all, like at all. I'm talking about AUA, the biggest ones out here in Thailand. None of them advertise on Facebook, although the majority of all people who want to study English are on Facebook. Now, yes, they look to influencers. They look to, I wouldn't say powerful influencers, but influencers who have been around for a while or influencers who just have a large following. And they look to them to broadcast or to to advertise their services, which is, you know, which is fine and everything. Uh, For technological companies, they could look for the tech companies, which I used to work for, um, in like a short course. They look to them to say, hey, yeah, I would love for you to um, uh, review our product and give it a review on your Facebook page and this and that and da, 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 da. And that's how they get exposure and that's how they get sales. Very smart. However, when it comes to language centers, they do not do that. The only advertising I see of language centers is one by the name of Globish, which is similar to what they have out there in uh, China called 121 Talk, this and that. It's a lot of different language centers that you can learn online. Globish is one of them. I've seen them advertise on both Facebook and Instagram, and that's because the majority of people in Thailand are on Facebook and Instagram, their reach. Right, the 12 year olds, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, they're on these platforms and they're actually following people in America because they want to learn English or this or that. So then they end up seeing Globish on there and saying, Ooh, I could learn English like online with the teacher. Are you serious? Yeah. And that's how you do it. That, that's the proper way of doing it. But because there are a lot of people who focus, who, who, who have that legacy system. I'm talking about people over the age of 60 who do not want to change. They still believe that advertising, people still advertise on newspaper, in newspapers. I'm like, what? I look at, um, what is that famous uh, magazine that you see on airplanes out there in America? It's like a, a mall, some kind of mall that you could buy these things. And I'm like, guys, no one really looks at this anymore. But because, of course, American Airlines are very, very strict with their phone policy and all those different types of ele- electronic pro- uh, policies. Um, you know, we're forced to actually grab a magazine right out of the seat, right in front of us and look at all these things. But I mean, we're really not going to do that anymore. We're not doing that anymore. So that's a very piss poor way of advertising. So people, some cause fallacy, they're still invested into these different forms of advertising and they are no longer suitable for this age. That's what a legacy system is. (sighs) So what can you do? Well, he said, focus on the outcome. Focus on the entire outcome instead of focusing on the now. Focusing on, you know, giving up the work, giving up the time right now. And then that's when you actually end up uh, making the big gradual change. So, guys, I thought this was really, really compelling. A really good listening for a lot of you out there and something to ponder about. Be sure to check out the exercise on thearseniobuckshow.com. Tune in and make sure if you want my answers, if you want the answers, you have to, of course, ask me for them. And that's how we establish connection. So with that being said, have a wonderful morning, afternoon, and evening. I'm your host, as always, over and out.